Well, hello, hello, and welcome to Wrong Place, Right Crime. This is your host, Frank Zafiro, and this is the podcast where we talk with crime writers, mostly, about crime fiction, mostly. And today's episode, we have Fleur Bradley, who writes middle-grade crime fiction and adventure fiction, amongst other stuff. Uh, But before we get to her, I am joined by my number one reader and sexiest fan, Christy Scalise. Hey. Hey. He needed a little expert advice, and since I teach middle school, he thought he better have me on and keep him on the straight path. Don't want to get uh, down the crooked path, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what straight path means. It just came out. So you did mention you are a middle school teacher, uh, primarily 7th and 8th grade uh, these days, and you teach language arts, which is English. Uh, How important is it for, for kids to have a... Uh, an author or a series of books or something that they really like? Well, I mean, it's it's everything. So reading has proven to be the number one thing that kids can do that will help them in all areas of their academic life, all of their core classes. And so, um, you know, a lot of kids come and say, I don't like to read. And really, honestly, it's just that they haven't found an author that totally turns them on. And so... I mean, having all of the different genres out there um, is so important so that I can read them and then help introduce kids to them. And then, of course, kids read them and introduce me to them and uh, they spread the word among themselves. And so it's really important to have as many young adult authors out there as we can um, in all different genres and, you know, all different topics and fiction and nonfiction both. Well, Fleur writes, uh, one of her, her, her main series is a uh, sort of a spy adventure sort of uh, series, and it stars uh, a male protagonist. Do you find that there are, is there a difference between uh, girls and boys in, in terms of whether they're readers or not as excited about it, or how easy it is or difficult it is to find them something that they like, or am I making some generalizations that are so 18th century yeah it's kind of funny because i think they are pretty 18th century although i think they probably are pretty pervasive still as far as people believing it but i would say that i have just as many girls in my classes as boys who say they don't like to read or say to me i can't find a book i like and you know there's there are a lot of young adult romance type books out there you know the fault in our stars and and things like that that the mostly girls tend to read but uh, there are plenty of girls who aren't interested in those types of books and um, there's some really cool books out there and you know there's always new ones coming out but this idea uh, kind of behind like what Flora writes about is uh, you know this this mystery kind of uh, secret agent-y type thing is pretty popular right now with, I would say, both boys and girls, and it's pretty high interest. So those kiddos who believe they don't like to read, you can usually get them pretty excited. Well, I'm curious to hear what Fleur has to say about uh, her her books and, and the kids that uh, the feedback she gets from kids. But uh, before we talk to Fleur, let's uh, hear from our sponsor. Uh, Down and Out Books is the sponsor of Wrong Place, Right Crime, and uh, Eric... Campbell is the managing editor and owner, and uh, let's let's hear what he has to say. Hi, Frank. This is Eric Campbell from Down and Out Books with a thrilling new read for the fall for your listeners. We're proud to have the opportunity to reissue Just Like That by Les Eckerton. 
If you've never read Les's books, this is a good one to start with. It's based on an actual road trip the author took with an ex-prison cellmate under similar circumstances as protagonist Jake Mays does in the narrative. The scenes in Pendleton are also based on those true experiences he had while in, incarcerated. Paul D. Brazil says, great dialogue, whip crack scenes and meaty characters haul you along on a hard-boiled crime road trip worthy of the Elmore Leonard and Joe R. Lansdale. Just like that is highly recommended. You can find this book now. It's available for pre-order. Uh, find out more at downandoutbooks.com. And thanks for having me on the show, Frank. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Eric. Down and Out Books is a truly great publisher. I'm really proud to be associated with them. And as this uh, podcast is released, we're only a few weeks few weeks away from BoucherCon. And uh, Down and Out Books has quite a few entries in the Anthony Awards this year. So uh, I'm, I'm really pulling for them. Uh, well, Christy, uh, let's uh, uh, meet Fleur and find out what, uh, what she has to say. Cool. I'm excited. Well, welcome to the show, Fleur. Thank you. Uh, so I guess uh, we could start by uh, pointing out that you are different from the previous guests I've had on in a number of ways. Uh, and one of them is uh, the primary audience that you write for. Uh, right. I write for uh, for kids 8 to 12. Um, if you're not familiar with uh, children's publishing and, and how books are categorized, basically there are picture books, the sort of your early readers, the chapter books that, that some of you might be familiar with. And then there's middle grade, which is where I fall, which is 8 to 12. So um, for that age group, which means that, you know, there's some restrictions to what I can and can't do. But um, something that I really try to do as much as possible is um, make my books and my stories um, strong mysteries. So the kids that read them, I'm hoping that they grow up and uh, go on to read all the great uh, mysteries that are written for adults. So I'm kind of, you know, growing a new audience is what you could uh, kind of look at it as. So all my previous guests should be grateful because you're cultivating the next generation. <laughs> oh, I'm promoting your work. <laughs> and so what uh, uh, you have a, a series uh, called Double Vision. Um, right. uh, tell me about it. Uh, well, uh, best way to talk about it is kind of how, to, how it came to be, um, which was um, I wanted to write a story about sort of the kid that isn't good at anything. Uh, the video game kid, uh, not, not the one that's good at sports or good at school. I wanted to write about the kid who gets in trouble a lot, and that's Link Baker, the main character in the Double Vision series. So um, to kind of get to the point, he, he kind of falls into this position where he has to be a secret agent out in Paris and in Washington, D.C., and in L.A. Those are the three books that I wrote in the trilogy. Um, and I wanted to show with those books that if you are a kid who isn't really good at anything and you are a troublemaker, those skills are actually kind of helpful when you want to be a secret agent or uh, <laughs> you have to be brave, right? And it's all the things that I am not. So it was super fun to write. And that's kind of how that series came to be. So it's sort of a James Bond for kids uh, is what you can compare it with. Um, it's got a little bit of history and, and a, a good amount of, of uh, information on each of the locations that he travels to. So the first one's in Paris, second one in DC, and the third one in LA. So I worked in a lot of things that I learned about the city and um, 
you know, interesting stuff for kids because a lot of them will probably never make it to Paris. You know, it's expensive to go there. So it's a cool way to kind of travel, uh, you know, from your armchair. Plus the French, I mean, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I had a lot of fun with it because it gave me a chance to kind of look at, okay, if I, I was 12 and I'd never been to a city, how would I experience that? How would I see that city and how would that, you know, influence me? So that's, I think, one of the great perks about writing for kids is you get to see everything through that lens again and think about what that looks like. You almost have to, I think, to, to be yeah. genuine, I would I would guess. I mean, Yes, I think that's the, the, the most important advice I give to people who think about writing for children or, or uh, look for books for their kids. They should be, kids should be able to see themselves in it. So don't preach to kids, but, you know, kind of sit down next to them and remember what it's like to be 12. It's a cool time. It's also a scary time because you're starting to grow up a little and you see the world for what it is. So um, it's a very uh, neat lens to write through. I, I really enjoy writing middle grade. At the beginning of the first book, is Link already a secret agent or just something happened to... to... Um, he, there is a kid's secret agent. So, you know, this is obviously a, a fantastical novel that's fun to get away in. Um, there's already a kid's secret agent who looks just like him and he's gone missing and Link is called in to take his place. So that's how the story kind of started. So he has, he knows nothing about being a secret agent and he kind of bumbles his way through, but because he has a good heart and he's kind of gutsy and not afraid to jump right in. Um, he actually does a really good job of being a secret agent. So that was really fun to write. That sounds like it. I, you know, one of the things that I thought was pretty cool when I was looking at this series is that in addition to, uh, you know, show, showing this through the, the, the lens of, of a you know, 12-year-old eye and, and exploring different locations, is that you weave a lot of history of the location into the books too it looks like yes in fact that's one of the things that was was kind of surprising and really fun is to look at uh what history particularly basically the story revolves around an, an artifact that has magical powers that this uh agency has to collect to save the public from you know things going wrong so the artifact is usually uh, tied to a historical character. So in the first book, I had Leonardo da Vinci, and I got to learn stuff about him, and I had to go, okay, what's cool to the kids? What's interesting to them to learn about Leonardo da Vinci? For instance, he's actually a, 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 an animal lover, and he would buy uh, birds at the French market, and he would set them free just for the sake of it. So that was a cool little tidbit that, you know, you have to find ways to connect uh, that to a 12-year-old, essentially, trying to go, okay, what's actually interesting about this? For the second book, it's set in Washington, D.C., and uh, together with my editor uh, and agent, we had decided, okay, let's pick George Washington, which on the surface, I'm like, man, George Washington's really boring, you know, because I have to look at everything through the 12-year-old lens, and I'm thinking, oh, this is not going to be fun. How am I going to make this fun for kids? And then I learned that he was the first spy, uh, during the Re Revolutionary War, and that sort of set the whole story off running because that was really cool, and I could really weave that into the story. Like, what did they actually do back then to pass information? So that's been been really cool. For the third book, um, I had Charlie Chaplin, so it gave me a chance to kind of delve into the silent movie history um, and, and weave that into the story. 
So there's bits there. I mean, it's not an educational book, but I'm hoping that the kids kind of come away with learning something new about maybe a, a historical figure or a time frame that they never thought they'd be interested in. Well, that's the part that was really compelling to me personally, because uh, you know I love history. It was my undergraduate mm-hmm. degree uh, was in history, and and what you're doing I think is fantastic because these kids, you know, the biggest complaint you always hear from everyone uh, about history is, oh, history's boring. It's a bunch of dates and places and this act and this battle and this right. king and blah, blah, blah. And you're taking uh, real history you know, and fictionalizing around it, but real history and making it exciting. And yeah. for me, it, it already is exciting. I mean, it's the it's the story of the human race and, and all the foibles and all of that. But but what you're doing is making right. it accessible and exciting for kids. And hopefully, you know, that translates into the, an interest level that maybe they'll maybe they'll give something that's a little drier a chance mm-hmm. to find yeah. out how exciting it can be. There are a lot of stories in in history that I think that exactly what you're talking about, it gets a bit lost because there's this data you have to remember and all this other stuff that we kind of lose the people in it. Because one of the things that I do actually do a school presentation on the second book about George Washington. And I talked to the kids, you know, um, at the time, nobody knew we were going to win against the British. That was a really scary time. And people went out there and, and did the right thing anyway for their country. And so it's a really interesting piece of history, particularly um, I talk about the Culper Ring, which um, was George Washington's spy ring that he used to pass information. And the members of that group were never identified until they were already long dead. So it's super interesting to me that people would, you know, work, you know, try to serve history, do the right thing, try to, um, um, be a hero in a sense without any credit for it. If you think about it, that's pretty exciting, interesting, and it shaped our country as it is today. So I try to pass that excitement about the history and what George Washington was like as a person um, into the presentation so they can kind of come away with a renewed view of hopefully the Revolutionary War, which kind of falls into the curriculum for that age group anyway, Yeah, which is great. I think you can scaffold that sort of stuff too, in a, in the sense that um, as they get older, they can they can really start to learn about some of the humanness of all these different people. Yeah. I mean, George, I mean George Washington was far from perfect. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he he was very ambitious and kind of a cold fish at times, you know. And, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and you know, and just events that have been like memorialized in, in you know famous paintings and everything, and mm-hmm. uh, like the crossing of the Delaware. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think I'm correct. Maybe, maybe I read it wrong when I read it, but I remember reading and thinking it was pretty funny that, uh, you know, in, in this big moment when they're crossing the Delaware, you know, for the surprise attack on, on Trenton and mm-hmm. what, you know, what did George Washington say? And, and I think he, somebody said, wrote that he uh, said something to one of his generals, uh, 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 Harry Harry Oxnard, I think, is the guy's name, mm-hmm. and you know, and said, uh, you know, uh, be careful, Harry, your, your fat ass will swamp the boat or something like that. You know? <laughs> and, and even if it isn't true, it goes to my point, <laughs> which is, you know, every one of these figures in history was a human being with all the beauty and flaws and and right, and right. you know, yeah, and well, like George Washington, he kind of, you know inherited this army that was pretty crappy you know so i tried to teach the kids that too 
equipment. Like it's not like the military that you see today. It was pretty much just scraped together and he had to figure out how to make it all work. So mm-hmm. sort of fascinating to look, but you're right. There's certain parts that, you know, you can use in certain parts like for kids that are not so right. particularly for Leonardo da Vinci. Uh, Leonardo da Vinci had a pretty colored, um, you know, life. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so there's some stuff that you can't use, but you can kind of use the spirit of the person, or at least mm-hmm. that's what I try and try to connect to. Okay. How is Leonardo da Vinci like a 12 year old kid? You know, how mm-hmm. can you connect on a personal level to that historical figure so you can understand what made him tick? And, and that's, that's kind of cool, but also hard. You have to do a ton of research and, and try to find those nuggets that you can use. But you're laying the groundwork for, you know, if somebody reads uh, this the, the that first book uh, in the Double Vision series and, and gets mm-hmm. interested in, in uh, Leonardo da Vinci, they'll discover the rest of it on their own as they grow up. But, you know, they might right. never have started down that path if they mm-hmm. didn't find the interest. And there was a school here in, in Denver that uh, invited me for a school visit and they created a whole it was a very big event. They, it's called One Book, One Campus, and they buy a book for every kid in the school, which is pretty cool and especially cool for me because everybody gets to have the book. And they turned the whole school into Paris. So they had Leonardo da Vinci. They had the Louvre and the paintings. And wow. They did a spy thing, and they really kind of took it as a springboard to go, okay, this is what it looks like. This is, um, you know, all the things that are in the book. So that was very cool to see the teachers, because a lot of time it comes down to that is, is a teacher seeing, okay, I, this is what I can do with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is how I can use it as a springboard. But to yeah. be honest, for the kids, a lot of the time, the ones I reached most are the kids that kind of stopped reading. And then they get my book and then they're like, man, finally a fun book. So I get a lot of emails and fan mail from kids that go, you know, I, I really hated reading, but then I, I got your books and I'm having such a fun time. So a lot of it is about as much as I enjoy the historical portion, um, it's about keeping those kids reading and having them understand that, hey, when you're an adult, there's also fun books out there um, for you to read, like mysteries and thrillers that are really cool. Yeah, hopefully so, it's a gateway to discovering yeah. that there are, are a lot of cool books to read and they just... Right weren't coming across them because they weren't picking up books. No, and a lot of the required reading, and it's nobody's fault, but a lot of the required reading is not necessarily so friendly for a reluctant reader Mm -hmm. or a reader who maybe isn't, you know, into a lot of the slower prose and that stuff. Mm -hmm. This moves 100 miles an hour, and the kids like that. So um, it's good. You know, it's really nice to hear when when I get a fan mail letter or, you know, um, from teachers I hear that, kids are finally picking up a book i'm like yes <laughs> christy teaches uh middle grade uh seventh yeah. eighth grade in uh-huh. language oh, arts and social great. studies so you know and and that's what makes this series uh doubly cool because it you know it, it really has elements that make sense for both subjects i mean it's obviously mm-hmm. for english but there's a history component to it as as well yeah. Uh, yeah. Is there going to be a, a fourth one, or are you continuing the series? No, it, the trilogy kind of, you know, the, the intent was for it to be three books, and I'm happy with that. Um, I think the story is, is good where it is. But I'm hoping that with this book that I'm working on now, is it's a standalone um, to try something new and to keep that mystery thing going and, and to kind of keep it about mysteries. It's hard to find just a straight mystery in this age group that's not your Nancy Drew or that's what I get a lot when I talk to 
parents and, and, and teachers, it's like, oh, yeah, Nancy Drew. I'm like, yeah, Nancy Drew is cool, but there's a lot of other stuff out there now. And, you know, straight mysteries that are not, um, that don't have a magical element in them are hard to find. Is that what this is, a middle grade straight mystery? Yes. I want it to be truly that, that imagining that if this book were to grow up, it would be a standalone mystery. That's what I wanted for this book because that's where my passion is. It's with mysteries, mm -hmm. um, whether it's for adults or for kids. So I kind of feel like I need to be the ambassador for <laughs> the mystery <laughs> genre. <laughs> and where are you in the process of this? Are you still writing it? Is it? Uh... I'm, I'm still working on it. Yeah, I think I have another probably about the end of the year. I think I should finish it. And then obviously it has to go through the whole process of finding a publisher and, and all that. So fingers crossed on that. But mm -hmm. um, I think it it has a good chance. So it's been fun to write, and that's usually a good sign. How about uh, on the adult side of things? Uh, what what have you done in in adult mysteries? Right. Um, well, I hadn't done anything in a long time, and once you like, I wrote those three books, so then you're cemented in that genre. So it took me a bit to shift uh, gears because it is a very different type of writing. Mm -hmm. But I'm mostly working on short stories in that department now. That's kind of where I got my start. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping to get back to writing more uh, short mysteries and, and trying to get those published and maybe at some point to stand alone, but um, kind of tinkering with that still. Now, one of the other differences uh, between the uh, previous guests and you uh, is uh, that you were not born here in the U.S. of A. That's right. That's right. I'm from the Netherlands, which, you know, um, sometimes people can hear it in the accent and, and sometimes they can't, but... Uh, yeah, I grew up in the Netherlands, uh, got married, and then been moving around. My husband's in the Air Force, so um, so yeah, that's been kind of my life. So um, yeah, I'm from somewhere different, which is sometimes um, particularly interesting um, as I'm, I'm sort of just, my history in the Netherlands, of course, is different than U.S. history. So some mm -hmm. of the stuff I'm discovering for the first time as if I'm a kid, so it's kind of fun. Yeah, that has to help then. If you you didn't grow up learning the history, and then you can oh. learn it for the first time. Yeah, it's fresh. You know, it's a fresh mm -hmm. perspective, and you kind mm -hmm. of get to see it as. And of course, you approach it as a writer. So I look for um, nuggets of information I can use. All right. Well, we'll hear more from Flora Bradley in just a minute. But this is the point in the show where usually we consult the experts. And by experts, I mean bookstore owners, particularly those who work at the independent mystery bookstores, uh, for some recommendations of uh, what books you should be reading. For those of you that follow the show, you know that a couple of episodes ago I did a, a special episode talking about uh, the fact that uh, Seattle Mystery Bookshop is uh, being forced to close and uh, by the time this uh, airs, they will be just about a week away from closing. And so in honor of that, we are not going to consult any bookstore owners on the show this week. Instead, I'm going to ask you uh, to go to an independent mystery bookstore or any independent bookstore or any bookstore and uh, ask somebody there for a recommendation and talk to them and, and uh, take a positive step towards supporting the kind of businesses that you want to see stick around. I thought you were going to tell us to ask for a moment of silence. Uh, no, I'm not that corny. But uh, but definitely uh, do the kind of things that uh, that need to happen for stores like the Seattle Mystery Bookshop to stay in business. I'll tell you what, those independent bookstores have a lot more passion than some of those bigger ones. They can definitely recommend some pretty cool stuff. And they're good at it, too. When I talked to J.B. Dickey in our aborted attempt to have an interview, 
he he talked about how one of the skills that they've developed over the years and one of the fun things about that bookshop is when somebody comes in and they can't think of a you know a book that they heard of and they give a very vague description and they're able to solve the mystery and find it for them uh, or somebody comes in and says well i like this uh but i need a new book and they they do kind of an, an interview process to figure out what it is that that, that person would like and so they not only are they good at it but like you like you say christy they do it with a lot of passion all right so go to your independent ministry bookstore ask them for their recommendation and uh, we'll we'll have some folks back on for the next episode to to do that here at wrong place right crime uh, but now let's uh, go back and uh, talk some more with Fleur Bradley. Now you mentioned uh, that you're writing some shorts. Uh, what was the most recent one that uh, showed up somewhere? Oh, I'm actually still tinkering with it. Um, oh, you I haven't have, sent it out. I haven't sent anything out yet. No. I'm, I've been collecting. I did that this morning because I, I'd not done any short stories for a while where I wrote them and then I just kind of tucked them away. And then I went to a um, get together here for Mystery Writers of America, and I met some of my old short story friends, sort of. And, and I was thinking to myself, I should just send them out. So I'm, I'm actually collecting them now, trying to see what I have and see where it can go and, and where it might fit. It's been a long time. So, so are you thinking about sending them out and in, uh, in in for for individual publication or grouping them together as a collection? Yeah, I, actually, I have a couple different ideas. I. I most of those are, are for individual um, publication, but I've also thought about, because once you get to the novel side, it's, it could be hard to ship back. Um, I can, I, I'm thinking of co maybe collecting, you know, creating a collection so I can either send them out or collect them myself and, and, mm -hmm. and publish it depending on, on how that goes. But, uh, but it's kind of fun to get back into that because, you know, a novel is a, a long process and the short stories, you know, kind of fresh and new and, um, you know, a little bit more fun to, to play around with. You can take a few more risks. Yeah, that's what you were working on uh, when I first met you uh, yeah. at the Left Coast Crime Conference way back right. in like... Forever ago. Yeah, <laughs> so I think it was 2007, but yeah. uh, the only reason I remember that is because I don't go to a lot of conferences and then that was, uh, was one of the few I've been to. You do go to a lot of conferences, though, it seems like. I, I do. Well, I did for... And, and because I write for kids and I write mysteries, I try to kind of do both. So I go to, I've been to like the voucher cons and, mm -hmm. and uh, left coast crime. And I've, and I've done the uh, children's book writers uh, conventions, I've done stuff locally and then for writers conferences. And because I write for kids, I also go to the librarian and teacher conferences. If I get an opportunity to be invited to those um, to talk about, you know, how to, um, reach reluctant readers is one of the things that's kind of my uh, I'm an ambassador for mysteries and I'm an ambassador for reluctant readers which is kids that don't like to read and they often mm -hmm. get overlooked in uh, in schools and libraries so I try to kind of point out to uh, those teachers and librarians how they can help those kids read and what kind of books they might be interested in and um, how to reach those readers so we don't lose them because that's one of the things that uh, comes out as people get older um, they just don't read mm -hmm. and that's sad because they're missing out and it's also really good as kids get older for them to read for pleasure because it helps with all their other subjects in school so it's it's one of those things that's kind of a, a mission of mine is to try to make sure that the kids say oh I don't like to read that we try to find books that they do like to read so um, we don't lose them as they get older. 
I think it's a tremendous mission. Uh, Christy talks about it all the time that, yeah. that, uh, you, you know, it's not necessarily that there's a skill problem there. It's a, it's an interest issue, uh, it is. you know, and mm-hmm. you're, you're doing something about that for, for sure. I, yeah, it's one of the saddest things ever. I remember standing in a, uh, it was a Hastings, uh, store, which, uh, you used to be, well, there's still some around, but it's kind of a regional, uh, books movies music sort of store mm-hmm. um and you're standing there you know the lonely author by the table you know i'm sure you've been there you know <laughs> and people are walking in and uh i would always try to hook them as they come in just by asking do you like crime fiction because most yeah. people most people do you know yeah. they'll, they'll come by and they'll be like well yeah what do you got there and you can chat with them and if they don't like it they just keep going um but the worst comment i ever got and I, it unfortunately happened several times. Was no, I don't read. Oh, oh yeah, that that hurts me in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's the quickest way to shut me up because I don't know how to respond to that. You know, I mean, you don't like not even a magazine. You don't read. I mean, what does that mean? Everybody reads. You know, the thing I've learned to do, particularly at the book signings, and 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 if I can at all, I just get up and I start walking around and talk to kids and talk to mm-hmm. their parents and um try to encourage them hey if you don't like to read this is the book for you (laughs) Mm -hmm. because you will at the end of it and i I truly believe that um and you know you you hit on 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 something that's that is uh sad is that people and sometimes people are proud of it they go i don't read you know like they don't have anything that they have too much uh other stuff going on to read that reading is for people who have too much time on their hands which, <laughs> which is sad yeah. um but but yeah it's, it is uh and you know what what what's interesting to me is that mysteries are the uh, one of the top genres for adults yet for children there's very few of them coming out that are just straight a book that you actually like to read we spend so much time trying to give kids something that they should be reading like broccoli uh you know at dinner we need to give them stuff that they actually just have fun reading, just mm-hmm. something that they choose. And it doesn't really matter what it is, whether it's, you know, my book or it's, it's a, a graphic novels these days are making a, a, a comeback, which is great because it gives kids a chance to read something they actually want to read. Because a lot of the time you read so much in school, they associate it with, you know, this is what I must do. So, blah. But that's how we lose them in adulthood, I think, is by overloading kids with books that really aren't fun. Yeah, broccoli is probably best as a side, not as a main, of course. <laughs> <Lots of sauce. laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that one. Um, uh, do you think, uh, are you, are you, is there a novel, an a, a adult mystery novel in your, in your future? Um, I tinkered with one and I had to put it aside because it was difficult to switch, I think, from writing for kids. Um, I do have some ideas, but um, it's, I do miss, when I, when I work on something for adults, I kind of miss writing for kids. And it sounds like maybe you found your wheelhouse and that, that's writing for that, uh, that age group. Yeah, I think that's what I wonder sometimes. Like maybe I'm just meant to. What's funny, as an aside, is that I never, I didn't intentionally write for this age group. I was actually writing short stories first. Um, then I wrote YA because it was kind of popular at the time. And, 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 you know, 
sort of funny. I was thinking, well, I have to write fewer words because they're shorter. So that'll work better for me. Short <laughs> story writer. I don't know how to write long. So I had to learn that. And then I um, got in touch with an agent who said, you know, you're kind of funny, you know, because I'm uh, writing. I'd written a YA manuscript at the time. And he said, it's, it's, it's pretty funny. You should write middle grade, which is that 8 to 12 range, which is something I'd never thought of writing for. So I kind of fell into the children's um, department and, and I enjoy it. Um, it's fun. It gives you some purpose and, uh, and, and it allows you to have a little bit more humor and a, a little bit more levity, which is fun. Yeah. Humor is always good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. it is. Well, what else is interesting about you, Fleur? What else would people like to know? Oh gosh. Um, well, I think we've about covered it. You know, I'll probably, uh, if you meet me, I'll probably talk you into buying a book for your kids. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so, <laughs> Fleur the Dutch saleswoman. Yes. <laughs> well, you have to become that a little bit, like what you were talking about. I, I did a few signings in the very beginning where I sat behind my table and I, I was a good little girl and I, I thought, no one's going to know about my book if I don't start harassing people. Mm-hmm. So I learned to kind of get over, I'm, I'm relatively shy uh, by nature, but I had to get over just being afraid to talk to people and going, hey, you know, are you looking for something new to read? Check out my book. And that it's okay to be a little more forward and, and, and ask people and start a conversation because otherwise people don't know. They're You're just sitting there and looking sad otherwise. Yeah, and if they, what's the worst that can happen? Really, is the same thing yeah. that happens if you don't say something. I mean, exactly, if, exactly. Yeah. Well, and I've I've sat next to because I'm not famous, and I've I've done joint signings, so I've I've been to say your Barnes and Noble and and your independent bookstores where I sit there, and I'll sit next to someone else who sits at the table and doesn't move. And they sell maybe two books and I'll sell 20 because I'm just going around the bookstore and giving everybody my bookmark. It's otherwise they don't know. Right. And, and, and you have to learn to do that. So uh, it's kind of fun once you get a little more comfortable. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, the worst thing really, I mean, is, I mean, they'll let you know if they're not interested and then you just politely move on. Right. I mean, it's not like you're trying to sell them on, you know, uh, term life insurance or something. Like no. That. And you know what? Your wife teaches eighth grade. Is that what you said? Uh, mostly. Yeah. Seventh and eighth. Is, is, yeah. Well, if you've dealt with that audience, like I've done, uh, you know, author visits and talks for your seventh, eighth graders, you can do anything. Yeah. Trying to convince eighth grade boy that he should read your book is. Yeah. I mean, I, I sort of feel like Iron Woman after I come out. I bet. So, you know, a tip to the Stetson to your uh, wife because that is very hard work. Um, well, but it's funny because it's her favorite. I mean, she she can teach anything from I think fifth to 12th grade is uh, mm-hmm. something like yeah. that for her certification but she always gravitates back toward the seventh especially seventh but seventh and eighth graders just because she likes that age group kind of like right. you like writing for that age group i mean uh because they're such tremendous dorks at that age but in a great way you know? are but but they're becoming cool people i think the mm-hmm. best conversations i've had is with kids from that age group and they'll tell me about the books they like or what they're up to or mm-hmm. You know, it's just a really honest conversation. They're it's, very it's, honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sometimes 
it's brutal, <laughs> you know, but they don't, they don't give you any nonsense and, no. and you know, that they'll tell you like it is. And, and I'm, I'm okay with that. That's if once you get a little more comfortable, with, okay, they're direct. You know? uh, I wrote, I wrote a, uh, uh, a young adult or a middle grade book, uh, right. Sam, the hockey player book called the hardest oh, yes, hit. Yes. Oh, I love that. And Oh, thank you. And, so I went to a couple over the years. I've gone to a couple of Christie's classes just to do the guest yeah. guest author thing for her and and uh, uh, experience exactly what you talked about. But I went <laughs> when I went to one of them when she was working in Sisters, Oregon, and uh, doing the little discussion piece. And I had this little girl, I, can't, I think her name was Elizabeth. I still remember her first name. And she uh, kind of stood up on her on her hind legs and put her hands on her hips and told me that I was a little bit verbose, oh. which <laughs> which I found to be incredibly accurate and very impressive for a seventh grader to know that word and be able to use it correctly. <laughs> But I know some of the stuff that comes out, you're like, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, but they are very honest. Um, but also I get the most... I think you can really make a difference at that age. Um, like they're, they're, like I said, they're kids that never uh, or don't read. And then uh, they, they love your book and it changes things the way mm -hmm. they look at the world or, yeah. or just, even if it's a momentary thing, it's, mm -hmm. it's pretty cool. You can, you can really make a difference at that age. Yeah. A good friend of mine that I coached with uh, uh, our son's hockey teams for a few years, uh, his son was uh, one of those reluctant readers who just mm -hmm. uh, just had no interest in picking up a book unless it was to throw it a sister, you know. And uh, then they, they uh, picked up a copy of uh, The Hardest Hit and gave it to him, and he just devoured it and, and was so excited because, you know, that, that same experience that you're talking about, it's, it's such mm -hmm. a gratifying feeling to think that, all right, now maybe that kid will read something else that he wouldn't have yeah. otherwise read. And maybe he'll feel good about himself as a reader because – he ate this book for lunch, you know? Yes. So. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's, if you can grab, you know, there's, we all have those books. We remember reading growing up that made you go, man, this is such a good book. And, well, and that's, that's a connection. That's, that's really special, which is cool. If you can make it particularly. What, what was yours? Oh, um, Enid lightened, uh, the great seven or something like that it was a Dutch translation of it, but it was, a sort of like a Nancy Drew type, but mm. it was seven kids that were solving mysteries. Oh. And I only read, I liked Roald Dahl a lot, but I'd only read sort of your, um, the kind of book that the librarian gives to a kid or that's recommended, or I'd read mm. those kind, kinds of books, which were great, but I'd never read anything that was just pure fun, pure mystery. And, and just, I devoured, it was a little paperback that someone gave me and I just loved it. So that made me realize that mysteries were my thing, which is, is pretty cool. You know, if you can find, have that moment where you're like, yes, this is my book. What do you like to read now um, on the mystery side? Oh, all sorts of stuff. Um, I tried to find um, debut authors now, or I try to find um, standalones that, you know, not a series those are hard to find sometimes um and then i sort of have my standby authors that i i usually read which most everybody reads but uh, and then I'm, I'm i obviously read you know in the children's department middle grade mm -hmm. there's some good stuff new books being published which is great to see 
And I read picture books, which are super fun. If you ever want, you know, having a bad day, pick up a picture <laughs> book. <laughs> You'll be okay. That's but, one of the things that surprised me when when got married to Christy and we were uh-huh. talking about books and stuff. Is you know, I mean, she would be, I'd be reading, you know, a Michael Connelly book or right. whatever, and she'd be reading some middle grade book. And yeah. I, I remember being, I wouldn't say contemptuous or anything, but a little surprised. I was like, why would you, you know, that's a kid book. And mm-hmm. and she said, well, two reasons, you know, one, you know, if I'm going to recommend a book to some of my yes, kids, I need to know. Yeah. Yeah. And then secondly, she said, because it's a good book and just because yeah. it's being told a particular audience doesn't mm-hmm. mean that I can't garner some enjoyment from it. And that's even more true of the young, of the YA stuff than the middle yeah. grade because YA kind of straddles the fence. Yeah. But it really opened my eyes to a little bit of a, kind of a little bit of a prejudice that I must have held, you know, and then I... You think kids' you know, books are for kids, so they yeah. just simple. They're actually, yeah. forget who said it, but there's a quote um, that said, if you, if you really want to write something hard, write for kids. Because it's a lot harder to um, to because you're navigating. Okay, am I sending the right message? You don't want to write something that's that gives them the wrong idea of, of moral values or whatever it is that you're trying to send out there. You have to be careful. Um, you can't have certain content, particularly the eight to twelve range. Certain content content just can't be in there. Um, it has to move fast enough so the kids don't get bored so it's yeah it's it's very hard to write for that age groups and they're enjoyable books there's some really good ones out there um, yeah after that conversation i i read several i, mean, I read star girl and holes and you know <laughs> yes uh, uh, particularly is one of those books that just transcends the genre it's great mm-hmm. if you can find one of those and also it's great to if you can read the book and go okay it's not for me but i could totally see when I was 12, I would have loved this book. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can recognize that, and that's pretty cool too. Yeah. Well, great. I, I really appreciate you coming on the show, Fleur. Oh, thanks for, for having me. And, uh, you know, it's good to, good to talk to you. Yeah, it's been a long time. I know. All right. Well, it was great to talk with Fleur. Um, like like she mentioned, I met her quite a while ago, and we've stayed in touch intermittently through the years. And I uh, uh, wanted to bring somebody on the show that had a little different take on the mystery genre, and certainly writing for kids is, is different than what the previous uh, guests have, have done. Writing for kids is a real challenge, but it's important. Absolutely. I agree with that. It's hard for some kids to find something that's interesting for them, but with authors like Fleur out there, then it kind of broadens their horizons and they can try new stuff and then when they find an author they really like they can stick with it. I have parents sometimes who say I'm trying to get them to try other genres and I like that. I want them to try other genres but I'm also pretty excited that they found something that they're so passionate about that they can't wait for the next book to come out. So I think there's a lot to be said for that. One of the things I liked about what she said during the interview was that she focused on those reluctant readers and uh, I felt like I was talking to you for a second because we've had multiple conversations about how that, that's a goal of yours is to reach those reluctant readers. Yeah, I think it's probably every teacher's. I would hope it's even every writer's goal if they're writing, especially for young adults, because they there are a lot of them, you know, and they it's sort of a mental block. Like they almost feel like they're reluctant readers when they actually find out they're really not. Like they just need to find something that's interesting to them. Well, hopefully they check out Fleur Bradley's books uh, and uh, find something that they can be passionate about. Uh, Speaking of uh, passionate writers, our next guest will be Eric Beatner. 
uh, one of my co-authors and uh, one of my favorite writers uh, for sure. And Eric sat down with you to answer 10 questions that you expanded into 12, I heard the rumor. Yeah, or maybe more. I slipped a few in. Anyway, let's hear from Eric Beatner. Eric Beatner, what city do you live in now? I live in El Segundo, California, right in Los Angeles. Who's your favorite writer? Joe R. Lansdale always is my go-to guy. Favorite movie? I, I gotta go Blade Runner. I know the sequel's coming out and it's uh, it's near and dear to my heart. Hopefully they won't ruin it. Hopefully. <laughs> favorite TV show? Breaking Bad, you, kinda, you can't go wrong. It was, it was a real game changer. Do you have a nickname? My nickname is Coop, but there's only one person in the entire world who calls me that. <laughs> is his name Nick? <laughs> <laughs> no. What are you working on right now? I'm working on a couple short stories that are due, hoping to turn to a new novel in the next month or so. What hobby do you have that has nothing to do with writing? I like to paint, uh, but I can't paint things. I'm an abstract painter. Favorite sport? Volleyball, but indoor, not beach. And your favorite musician? I like weird, obscure indie bands from the 90s like Shudder to Think and The Dismemberment Plan. Your five second advice to aspiring writers. Stay out. There's too many people in the pool already. Where would you like to go that you've never been? I've never been to any of the Scandinavian countries like Iceland and Norway. I'd really want to go. What's your favorite quote? Federico Fellini, the Italian film director, said, There is no end, no beginning. There is only the infinite passion of life. And I always like that. I used to have a, keep a quote from uh, Brian De Palma on my monitor when I was uh, screenwriting. And he said, Violence is extremely beautiful. Sort of as a reminder that you can write dark stuff but still have it turn out artfully. All right. All right, now you know more than you ever thought you would know about Eric Beatner. And Frank got some of his starry eyed love for another writer <laughs> out of the way. Uh, well, it'll get me through till I do the interview with him for the next episode where we'll chat for a little longer. But that'll be next time. For now, I want to say thanks to Fleur Bradley for coming on the show and to uh, Eric Campbell of uh, Down and Out Books for sponsoring the show. And I encourage you to go to an independent bookstore and get a recommendation on your own this week. And I'd like to thank my co-host... Uh, number one reader and sexiest fan, Christy Scalise, for helping me out. Thank uh, you very much for having me, Frank. I appreciate that you like it when I come in and do funny stuff while we're recording important information for all of our listeners. All right, folks. Well, uh, uh, I believe that is everybody that I have to thank, and uh, we will see you on the next episode. Until then, this is Frank Zafiro reminding you. There's never a wrong place to write crime.